My name is Adam Masmanian. I'm the executive editor of FCW, and I'm here to moderate uh, our first panel discussion on how the CX executive order changes things. Uh, one of the things, uh, if you remember Cindy Lauper, money changes everything. Uh, there's a lot of money now going into CX um, by the Technology Modernization Fund, and that's going to be a big topic. So let me introduce our panel. Um, we have uh, Jesse Posilkin. Yes. She's the customer experience portfolio lead at the Technology Modernization Fund. Um, on the end, Jonathan Album, the CTO of ServiceNow, federal CTO, uh, the federal CTO and principal digital strategist at ServiceNow, and someone I remember as the CIO of uh, the uh, U.S. Department of Agriculture for a number of years. Um, and Steve Fabersky, uh, business development executive uh, at Genesis. And I'm hoping that uh, we can just have a quick introductions from people, and I'll start with uh, Jesse, just you know, what you do and how your work touches on CX. Sure. Uh, hi, all. I'm Jesse Pasilkin. I, ooh, there we go. Uh, I'm in my first in-person moment in a long time. Um, and I lead the customer experience portfolio at the General Services Administration. Um, and that, that includes both looking at proposals that come in, managing the proposals uh, and investments that we have, and trying to make sure that we're making the most strategic investments possible. Um, <clears throat> Pardon me, my name is Stephen Boberski. Um, I do business development for Genesis. We are a customer experience uh, software cloud company um, with digital and artificial intelligence. My role is uh, strategic in nature as well. It's uh, sort of to guide the portfolio towards the needs of the public sector, I do some evangelism, and most importantly, make sure that people understand that we're here to help. So great to see everybody. Um, great to be in person, see so many familiar faces. So Jonathan Albaum, I'm the federal CTO for ServiceNow. And in, in my role, I work with our teams that uh, work with government agencies to really help them connect the, the problems of government to the problems that ServiceNow uh, is very good at solving. And, you know, we, um, we at ServiceNow, we're very good at connecting people and systems and organizations using the ServiceNow platform. A lot of people know us as a tool for IT service management, but it's a lot more than that. It's about a fundamental uh, platform to connect things and when you apply that to customer experience, you're connecting people and giving them, you know, great experiences, and it really changes how they how they think about government. So, really interested in having this uh, conversation today. Look forward to it. Great. Um, well, I wanted to start by talking to you, Jesse, about um, last week. It was announced that the Technology Modernization Fund was going to kind of earmark or reserve a hundred million dollars um, for uh, CX projects. So, how does that dedicated funding affect implementation of this of the EO? And I guess I want to hear a little bit about what kind of projects you're looking for. Yeah, great. So um, I, to me, this feels just like a, a huge opportunity for government that we have this kind of funding to improve customer experience in this moment. Um, our, our expectation and hope is that we are going to be looking for projects that make real impact, that are, are both any, any agency can apply, um, but just as, been, as has been called out in the CXEO, um, high-impact service providers, which are the agencies that are really serving um, the largest volume of transactions, um, are certainly ones that we have our eye on here. Um, and I'm looking for, we heard one of the speakers earlier mention this, we're, we're looking for, for projects that um, are really rooted in that customer journey and making it better, uh, looking for the moments where both um, the public and uh, government workers are able to um, have a better experience. And I think that's important to call out both. There are times that um, federal workers may 
be really frustrated with the systems they're using. They may be slow, they may be clunky, and that, that impacts the customer um, and the public, even if it's not directly a public-facing system. And I think calling that out, um, we, I saw recently a proposal from an agency where they were reducing a form from, from 20 pages down to two, and in, in doing that, in that kind of work, that's not just something that's good for the public, though it is, and will significantly improve um, the particular outcomes for that agency, but also will make a really big difference for the staff who are tired of dealing with a 20-page form that's duplicative and doesn't give them the information they need, and the agency partners that, that they work with who might be sharing data, and it's much easier to share smaller amounts of data that are really specific. Um, so in terms of the kinds of projects we're looking for, I'm also looking for, for projects that are cross-agency where there, there are really uh, important uh, efficiencies that can be found in, in both reducing that public burden and then reducing the burden across. And then just, uh, I wanted to ask, how do projects come to you? Do they come, are they sort of agencies come and say, well, we would like to do this? Do they come sort of packaged with vendors or technology they want to implement? And then what's the board's role in kind of assessing you know, workshopping them and, and, and do the project sort of change like in flux as, you know, from the submission to the final, final version? Yeah, they change a little bit. Um, so we're looking, given the scale that we're talking about, $100 million, we're not talking about small $100,000 pilots at this point. We're talking about projects that we know um, and that agencies know they've maybe already done a pilot or they've already done some user research that has helped them understand, hey, we, we do have some of the personas and the, the kinds of people that we want to help. So we're talking about a little bit farther along the process, at which point there's probably not like opportunity for a huge pivot, um, but we are in very close conversation. And I and a couple of the other leads at the TMF, we've only been around for the past four months. So this has been relatively new that we as a uh, program management office are able to dedicate this kind of support to agencies. So um, we now have a new form. I know one of the big uh, frustrations earlier was just how, how, how what a bad customer experience it was. Um, and so now we, on our website for CX proposals, have a small form that you can fill out just to begin to workshop an idea with us and see, hey, is this worth moving forward? Is this worth getting vendor partners on board? Um, it's for government employees only to fill out, but, but we understand and often um, agencies are coming to us either with a procurement strategy already in place or an explanation of where they're going. So sometimes there are vendor partners at the table. And the kind of projects you're bringing in, I and mean, we're not talking about like $4 billion for a financial systems overhaul. Right. Um, it, there's, it seems to me like there's a lot of impact you can do with relatively small dollars in this space. I'm hoping you can expand on that a little bit. Absolutely. Um, I know we, we have two recent um, awards that I'm thinking about. One was for uh, NARA, um, which I'm blanking on the dollar amount now that I'm up here with the lights, but it, it was a, not a huge dollar value, relatively speaking, and um, really was going to make a very significant difference um, in the ability of uh, veterans in particular to access their records, which has all kinds of ramifications down the line for people accessing benefits, uh, survivors benefit, varieties of, of things that are really important. Um, so that's one I think we're also, you're talking about paperwork, but that paperwork has really important implications along the way. Um, and the other, which is extra wonky, but we're in Washington, so I'll do it, is the Postal Regulatory Commission. They're tiny, um, and they, they needed $2 million to make some pretty significant upgrades so that the regulation of our postal service, like, 
pretty core service in this country is secure and safe. And I think those kinds of cybersecurity investments are also just important, where you're looking at how do we make things safe um, that, and that, that has really significant public impact. This yeah. is a great uh, sort of point to bring in our other panelists. So let's talk a little bit about the value proposition here, you know, that, that what you can really get for, uh, for, for relatively small investments. Well, you know, there's, there, are, there are a number of ways you can approach it, right? So uh, you could do kind of like an inside-out approach or an outside-in approach. So first of all, you can look at technology simply as an enabler, right, which is um, I'm going to augment what I have. So perhaps I have, uh, you know, a, a call burden, so I want to reduce that call burden um, with self-service and AI, artificial intelligence. So you're supplementing what you have. You're, you're adding to it. Um, and other opportunities you may have to transform. Sometimes uh, you're looking at adding something like journey mapping as, a, as, as an opportunity to enhance the service. Um, they don't all require a great deal of money because you're supplementing what you have or you're augmenting. It's not a swap or a lift and shift, right? So the important thing that we believe in is, is uh, focusing on delivering empathy at scale. And how we do that is to focus on that journey mapping and some of the other opportunities to change the experience for both sides of the equation. You hinted on it earlier. It's always better to have both ends uh, satisfied, right? So when you do a transformative project, large or small, you want to make sure you focus on um, enhancing the experience for the agent and, and the customer because that's a concentric spiral of benefits, right? You know, it continues to, to bear fruit as it goes. Call times go down. Agents are happier to be involved. Retention's better. Training goes up. It, and then call times continue to go down. You have money to invest in other projects. So um, taking a small look at a very critical piece, making that investment, often yields long-term benefits. That's, that's you know, really fun. Adam, I, I would just add that I think part of the opportunity right now is to change the way we think about the systems we develop and the capabilities we offer. You know, I spent a lot of time in government um, before joining ServiceNow and built a lot of systems. And, you know, I spent my career building systems in support of a government program, and that program wanted it a certain way, and, you know, we would meet the requirements. Uh, and we would do that across the agencies, and you'd have a lot of individual, very good systems that didn't always connect as well as they could, sometimes dealt with the same person in different ways. And we weren't really thinking about the experience of the person who might be coming to the Department of Agriculture, say, or any individual agency, and how they experience those individual systems. We thought about it really from the inside out. And changing that perspective to outside in and thinking about that person, it's more of a human-centered approach. You know, that is, uh, we've been talking about human-centered design for a long time, but I think the EO puts it in a context of an individual trying to interact with the government. And uh, as Jesse noted, multi, multiple agencies come together to serve a single person during a critical point. And uh, the idea that we can build systems and think about the data and think about uh, someone's interaction with one or more agencies and sometimes one or more programs inside that same agency at the same time in design with that in mind. That is a fundamental change to how we've traditionally done things. It's not immediately starting with the EO. It's been sort of building. But the EO really crystallizes it. And with some dollars behind it, I think we'll get great examples that become uh, really inspirational kinds of uh, achievements that other agencies can build around and say, hey, I want to do that too for the employees that work here. And as people interact with government in some places and they have that, they're going to expect that everywhere. Well, and, and I think it touched on a, a really important point, right, which is, you know, everybody wants to transform, but they don't know what that means, right? So um, transformation is an opportunity to, to do something different, and it, it's how you look at it. So a lot of folks in the federal government had a tendency to, let's take what we have, let's move, I want to move to the cloud. 
that's a typical initiative, right? We'll save money, go to the cloud. But they tend to take what they have and move it. And then they want to look at transformation later. And it's really important if you take the approach Jonathan's talking about right now, which is to rethink how you're, how you're examining what you're doing, what your mission is, and how you're going to deliver it. You have an opportunity to transform rather than transition. So yeah, you can move everything you have to the cloud. But in many cases, some of the things you're doing you can only have done that that way with the technology you have at your disposal. It's the only way you could do it. You don't need to repeat that anymore. You don't have to capture it. You don't have to retain it. It's time. It's an opportunity to transform and really take a look at how you can, you know, change what you're doing on both sides of the equation. Sometimes it's technology. Sometimes it's personnel. But there's always an opportunity. Transformation is really, um, I think it's a misused word, but it's a really important part. And, uh, and your approach, as you define it, I think is probably one of the most effective. One of the pieces of, uh, you mentioned uh, interacting with different agencies. Uh, you may be one person to like one component at the USDA. You may be another, have another identity with another component. Digital identity is such a huge uh, sort of hurdle to get over when it comes to creating a good customer experience. Right. And I wanted to start maybe with you, Jonathan. Sure. You know, this is kind of a 30,000 foot view. Uh, where, where, do you, where do you see the CX, the, the executive order driving to when it comes uh, to I, digital I think identity? Identities core to those like uh, those cross-agency experiences and, you know, there's, um, you know, sometimes as consumers and we're customers of government, we, uh, we expect the same kind of service from our private sector uh, counterparts and we expect that from, from government. But we have sometimes an unwillingness to uh, allow government to manage data in the same kind of way. You know, we freely give up a lot of information to Google and Apple and Amazon uh, all the time, and we get these, you know, really great consumer experiences. You have to be willing to do that same thing with government in order to get that same cross-agency experience. And the government has a lot of data about, about all of us, but it's really segmented right now, sometimes by design and sometimes by law. So I think the uh, question about identity and how do I log into a system, and am I the same Jonathan across all these systems and all these programs, I, I've always felt like I should have the opportunity to opt in to have that singular uh, login experience and be able to have that um, USA.gov kind of portal and have all of my information in one place and make it very easy for me. But I, I fully recognize that not everybody might be there with the government, and, and that's okay. But if you want to opt in, you should be able to, to, to opt in. We need, you know, the technology exists to do that, right, because we see it, you know, in our, in our commercial lives. Uh, applying it effectively in government is, is an important um, conversation for us to have. And Jesse, this is a big part of what uh, GSA is doing with login.gov. Yeah, so I, I, um, I, I can't help but say, like, I, I hear you, and um, I think it's also really important as we think about human-centered design to, to not just know that it's about opting in, um, but about doing the research to see that it it's, gets pretty complicated. The different kinds of ways that people need to interact with the government can vary pretty widely. Um, and that is, you know, as we saw during the beginning of COVID, some people do need, not just the agencies, but also people need to be able to come in in, in real life um, to do that kind of in-person identity verification. Um, and so being able to now have something like login.gov, which is expanding, um, to, to meet these needs, I think, is really important so that, um, you know, now I know there's a pilot with the Department of Labor, um, with unemployment, um, in order to see if there are ways that this can, that, that you can combine that online experience with the offline one that's so critical. And what kind of services does that drive, you know, when you, when you have, this is for, the, for anyone, um, when you have that sort of, like, 
single sign-in or, or something like it in play? Well, I think what you want is for it to be easy to access the thing that you need to get to, not that you need to necessarily get to everything at once. Like, that question is, I'm not, I'm not making a statement on that necessarily, like, but it's a more complicated one. Um, and, and so, in my mind, login.gov is what makes it easy to be able to access the different various sites without 90 million logins, because we, I mean, that's, this isn't news, we all know this, like, having all of our bad passwords, because we have too many logins, makes for pretty bad security. Um, and that, to me, is also where I'm, I'm excited about the TMF and the current focus on, on cybersecurity and customer experience at the same time. Like, these go so, so concretely together. Um, when you have bad networks, people use, their, use the wrong ones because it's just easier, right, to use your home Wi-Fi even if you, or the hotel Wi-Fi, I mean, like, even if you shouldn't. Um, and so it's about making, making that part easier. Um, and so to me, that, that's the promise of login.gov. Not I mean, there will be improvements to USA.gov. I'm, like, fully on board with it. And, um, and I think it's really exciting to just see how you make it easier to meet people where they are for whatever specific benefit it is um, or service they're trying to access. And when it comes to meeting people where they are, you mentioned the improvements to USA.gov. Can you just uh, speak to that for just a sec? No. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Um, no, that was not, my big question. Uh, only because I'm not, I, I, that's not, where, I'm not at TTS, uh, which mm -hmm. is managing it. I'm at the TMF, and the TMF at this point, I've only been back for three months, so I'm just not okay, uh, up on the latest But plans. we've all, I'll, I'll put it out to, uh, if anyone wants to talk about it, but basically the idea is to reimagine uh, USA.gov, this sort of once kind of obscure, like listy looking website into a front door for the entire federal government. Maybe, Steve, I'll ask you, you know, what, do you, what benefits do you see kind of accruing from, from that move? <laughs> well, I think, I think the phrase they used was everything should be three clicks away, right? So um, that's a challenge, right? Because one of the, I think the biggest challenge we have in the federal government besides part of the mandate is what? To build trust, right? We want to make sure we trust the government and we as industry and the government need to help work to do that. And there's programs out there to do it. Um, but knowing what you're looking for is just as much of a challenge as the where to go, right? So what do we call things? What, you know, this human-centric design goes right into vocabulary, right, which is, you know, every industry, and particularly government, particularly each vertical, has their terms for things that are very esoteric, right? You don't know what form you're looking for, you don't know. So having some speech-enabled, uh, you know, design around, I am looking for X, and then making sure that that's mapped to one of many, 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 many phrases um, and so to enable that journey. I think that, that leads itself, when you start just focusing on a web page, that leads into all kinds of things you could do with speech analytics and, and then, you know, the customer experience across the board. So while you might look at the front door of a portal, that same methodology can be applied to um, emails, chats, even natural language. Um, and then you're starting to create that vocabulary map and, and a dictionary that is then referenceable. So I think, you know, the data, that, it's all about data, right? The data we're gathering when you do an initiative like USA.gov and, and the lessons we learn can be applied across the entire industry. And I think that's why three clicks away is pretty aggressive. But I mean, you know, I think part of this can be education. And, and Jonathan, one of the big, piece, one of the big uh, new pieces of language I think we got from the, uh, from the executive order was life events. That the organizing people's interactions with the governments around different life events. I'm hoping you can speak yeah. to that and, and, and see what and, sort of benefits. And I, think, um, I think that ties into what you were just asking about USA.gov. Um, you know, that there's about 17 life events in there from things with veterans that Barbara talked about to 
um, you experience a disaster or experience poverty. And when I worked at USDA, I worked on the um, food stamp program, you know, to potentially SNAP now. And, you know, that's just one of many programs that exists for someone in need. And there is Medicaid, and there might be unemployment benefits that are required, or children's health uh, insurance, or other kinds of things, some at the state level, some at the federal level. But if you're that person in need, you know, you, you want help from the government. Trying to figure out the bureaucracy of all the individual agencies at your state or the federal level is not something you should be doing during maybe the hardest moment in your life. So... Um, government has to be easily accessible. It's government for the people, right? And uh, whether it's a USA, USA.gov or a state kind of uh, portal, it should be very simple to go to a website and say what you need and then not just be directed to six or seven different websites, but if I collect information about somebody, why can't I share that to those, subordinate, to those programs in my, agent, in my government, in my sphere with uh, whatever the poverty programs might might be. And, you know, start applications for these different programs in those underlying systems. We're not going to change all the systems or have one system. But, you know, as, as Steve said, it's about data flow. And if we understand the workflows, if we understand how the data flows through the environment when that life event happens and we have technologies that support the connection of those systems and, and data, we can make government a lot simpler for people. And we can make it easy when someone has that, you know, really hard moment to be helped along the way to get to a, a better outcome where they have opportunity to do better, to improve their life, to get, you know, beyond, um, uh, you know, beyond where they are today. Government, should, uh, government shouldn't be the impediment, and the technology government uses shouldn't be the impediment. It should be an um, accelerant. And we have the ability to do that, but uh, traditionally we haven't applied those technologies which are commercially available, and we have all have access to them, to these problems until now uh, with, with the CXEO. And I, again, I, I am very excited, like Jesse, is that the TMF can be the, um, you know, can be the match, right, you know, that starts the fire. And we can have some of these examples that really highlight what's possible. And that changes the way people think about their government, and that, over time, increases trust in government. Trust is at an all-time low. To the extent that we can do some of these things to change the way people think about government, we've done tremendous service to the American people, I think. And some of these programs you talked about, they're, they're fu federally funded, but they're administered at the state level. Sometimes there's, you know, 50-plus different systems. Um, what can sort of the CX community do to address this issue of federalism? Well, I, I think we begin by recognizing that, you know, the person using government, that citizen, they don't know or care how many different programs or agencies there are. They know that these programs exist and they want access to them. So I think we start, when you start with the, that person in mind, that citizen or maybe even a non-citizen, with their recognition that they have to, um, they have something to overcome and they need help, and we take away the, the walls that we sort of naturally put up between our agencies and programs, and we think about it from the perspective where all this stuff is out there, we should have easy access into it. When we begin to design with this idea of a superset of programs and data and you know, opportunity and connecting those things. The fact that there are all these underlying systems that are different, we're never going to get away from that. We'll always have lots of different systems. The trick is to figure out how the work and data flow between those systems and then use technologies that can make that, those workflows really simplified and make it invisible to the person behind the scenes that there are all these underlying systems. And if I could just speak to that, with, in terms of applications to the TMF and also some of the, the 
bigger projects that I want to see. It's, it's having policy folks and program folks and technologists all at the table at the same time to do that. Um, having, and I, I know you're, <laughs> this is part of your world too, but ha having those program folks at, in the room to say, here's why we can share this data, or here's the policy change that needs to happen for this information to actually get shared out. And then the designers to say, I know like there's a lot of, let's just put all the data out there, but good designers and product managers working on these different tech teams can really make a huge difference in identifying which pieces of information are actually useful and really needed. And I think in, in finding out what those more specific slices are, um, it really creates an opportunity to deliver some incremental value and say, yeah, there's this longer term here. Here's what it looks like when all of these systems are integrated. But if we had this one piece of data flowing back and forth, you know, this piece of income information defined in this way could really make a difference between these two very specific programs that people are coming at at the same time. Um, and when when I'm seeing the most successful um, and the projects with the TMF I'm most excited about, I'm looking for, for teams that have both of those program teams at the table um, or both of those agencies at the table, but saying, I really think that this other agency is going to be excited when I give it to them is not enough for me. There's a lot, a lot of projection of like, but I have, I have cool toys, and I'm sure you do, um, but being able to really ensure that, that everyone is on board, the program folks, the policy folks, and the technologists with making these changes together, um, and that the, it's not the technology driving the program, but the program driving the technology. I think that's a great point. Yeah. And I, I just uh, emphasize something you said. You know, the policy people need to be there to help demonstrate or uh, explain why data can or cannot be shared. Government isn't always uh, logical, right? You know, we, we have limitations that have been imposed previously, and they may or may not apply to the current moment. But the policy people I worked with always know what those limitations are, and they can explain them to you, and you have to ask. And I, I just love what you said. It's that the policy should should drive the technology, or the program should drive the, the program. technology. And I yeah, think that that's, it's the it, program absolutely. part that also I think is what can help shape the policy. Like there may be a specific directive, and there are times it's by legislation, and there are times that it's not. It's interpretation and being able to have real user research that shows, hey, this may be your policy, but this is how actual claimants for whatever benefit are experiencing this. When you put this in a form, here's how, how badly they fill it out. Mm -hmm. um, and, th and then here are all the repercussions down the line, which I, I, you saw with a number of benefits programs uh, during the pandemic and, and beyond. So having policy folks able to see, whoa, this was the policy, this was our intent, and this is not what's getting carried out because that's not how these folks who are in this particular crisis are thinking right now, um, I think is a really important way to also help shape and shift uh, some of the policy. But to do that, agencies have to be able to be doing user research uh, with the actual benefit recipients, members of the public, potential members of the public who, who are going to be using their services, and similarly with the federal workforce who's, who are currently doing, doing that work right now. Uh, I, is that a big piece of the, of the application process if uh, you needed perhaps a memorandum of understanding or some kind of data sharing policy that has to take place in advance of launching something? Is that something that you want to see on the front end or is it something that happens as you're executing on the, on the project? 
I don't need, I, we're not looking right now for like f those kinds of formal legal documents. Those take a while and usually you need, yeah. you need the project to get going to, to give some incentive for that to happen. Um, but those folks can be at the table. They can be part of the application process. It can be clear that you know, two different people are very, from different agencies, maybe they're co-signing it, maybe they are coming to uh, a meeting about it, but there are ways to demonstrate that commitment without the legal piece that can take a while longer to, yeah, to make happen. Well, I'm it, sympathetic to that, yeah. Well, it's, it's also, it's really exciting, you know, the, the announcement of the, the funding, you know, in conjunction with the executive order, primarily because it's sort of the perfect storm right now. As, as miserable as the pandemic has become, it's brought the policy people to the table with the data folks and the IT folks to figure out, hey, we're doing remote work, what, can we, what can't we do? What is our policy about how data moves and where does it move? People are looking at it now more than ever. At the same time, everybody's been doing this digital transformation, moving to the cloud. Right now, the ecosystem is there to start this data sharing. Agencies have been mandated to have a chief knowledge officer that's moving forward as part of the Data Act. And as we get a hold of the data and we can create this ecosystem, I think the, the timing couldn't be better for this uh, $100 million to show up with, with specifically customer experience because this, the customer experience technology, drives, it touches every piece of, of an infrastructure of the ecosystem. And so you, you get an opportunity to look across the board, um, security, uh, policy and procedures, um, absolutely what technology you're using today and um, where you want to go. So if you create that vision statement and marry it to the money you have, um, it's a, it's, it, there couldn't be a better time for it. So. And I think we've been talking about this a little bit, but I wanted to foreground it. The language of the, of the CX executive order stresses shared services, the development of shared services. Some of those are kind of probably behind the scenes for most people, but how, how do those help facilitate uh, improved customer experience? Sure. So in my mind, it's about doing it once instead of, you know, if we're talking about Medicaid 54 times, um, although that's a different, different animal. Um, and so in my mind, these shared services, you know, something like login.gov, that's a, a shared service where that research can be done. And even if an agency is working on a different but related login issue that login.gov isn't necessarily the right product for the moment. There is now really clear research um, that they've, they have and can talk about of how people are interacting with the system. What does that really clean and simple interface look like? Um, and I think that's the piece of shared services uh, that matters so much. Or the, the VA you know, has, a has a TMF award investment right now, and they're going to be able to be doing some research uh, with with veterans on on how they're interacting and, and being able to do some of the authentication that they, they need um, to do some of this two-factor authentication. And what does that look like for people who maybe have less, less internet access or maybe have lower technology skills? And doing that kind of research is then really great for all kinds of other people that are doing it. So in my mind, you know, the shared services, whether it's grants or uh, or login or verification or, you know, just journey maps um, or some of this life experience stuff. There are, all of these are ways to, uh, to only have to do it once um, and then be able to amplify those lessons across so, government. And uh, just want to build on a point you made earlier, which was really good, that customer experience uh, and employee experience are linked because, you know, employees are customers of their agency. And if there are shared services that can provide me a... Um, an employee service that I need, 
And I don't have to struggle to get that from my agency, but I can get it from an agency that is really good at it. My employee experience is better, and my engagement in my agency goes up, and I do a better job serving the customers of my agency. So shared services can be applied you know, really strategically to get an agency more focused on its core mission. We do replicate these services in HR and IT and in finance and procurement so many times across government. And there are agencies that really stand out and really do a great job. And if they can be um, streamlining the back office operation and creating uh, the environment for great employee experiences, the byproduct of that are great customer experiences. So um, there's a strong connection that you hit on earlier, and I don't think that we can uh, have this conversation fully unless we you know, note that and um, we're really attentive to how we change the way employees who work in government experience government too. Yeah, I, I sure. want to open it up to questions from the audience. Uh, it's one of the great things about being back live is that we can hand people the mic. So I think we have a question. Did we have a question here? Anywhere? I thought I saw a hand earlier. There's one. Well, so the mic was here. Um, I have a question about the process to get the data to implement um, customer good customer experiences with good UI and UX. Um, I work on a program, and we're constantly battling rules around the PRA, so it's a catch-22. We need to know the, how our customers are feeling, what they want, how they feel the experiences, yet we get a roadblock in order to collect that data. And I just wondered what your thoughts or advice would be. And I could see this being something across any program that needs to be able to find out you know, the results of how well you know, something is being implemented and used. Thank you. So are you talking about um, at the agency accessing the data that's at their disposal or just collecting it and doing the discovery part of it? Um, both. So the program I'm on involves government or any Fed and um, private sector. So if it's gov, it's not a problem because you can do that. But when you're interacting with the public and you run into this, and so we're kind of stuck and guessing, and we'd rather make decisions based on data rather than just, you know, a guess. <laughs> well, the, there, there are a number of ways to gather that data securely and, and without having to ask the customer to reveal anything that might be, um, you know, overly sensitive in their mind, right? So um, this, this introducing empathy at scale that I talk about, the whole journey mapping, um, there are, you can catch it on every channel, right? You can do, as I mentioned, natural language um, and analytics to get a tone and, and, and judge what's happening. You can gather information on an email and a chat uh, or a chat session from a text. And that you, as long as you're, you're analyzing that in real time and making sure that makes its way into a centralized database, that's, that's, that's at the agency's disposal or the, or the private customer. There's nothing there that they don't already have. It, it's about making sure you have the tools on the front end to gather and do real-time analytics. So there's, there's software that can do that today. Um, it's not very expensive. It is, um, a, you know, you do have to take a look at the entire front end to look at where you're going to inject that. But what you do is you do end up with what, what Jonathan's talking about, which is um, you gather data across the board. You're making the experience so much better. 
if I know you're trying to renew your driver's license and I see you've been to the website six times, you were about to click yes and then no, you called in twice and hung up because the call was too long. When you do reach an agent, I don't have to play 20 questions as an agent. I can say, oh, I see you've been to the website, you're trying to renew your driver's license, how can I help? It's a better experience for the agent because they don't have to play 20 questions and then the, the caller understands that you understand. But making sure that you can do that journey mapping across the board is really important. But that technology exists without having to reach into separate databases. You gather it as the call is in flight or that contact. We're just about at time. I want to guess, get to one more question. Yep. So uh, really appreciate the conversation. I'm Andrew. I'm a DocuSign for Federal. And I really appreciate, Jesse, your comments around addressing burden. And you talked about projects making an impact and the customer journey, the improvement there. But I'm wondering, is there any resounding theme that you've identified as you've you know, come back into this leadership role at GSA? Is there any one burden that resonates throughout that you've seen that's greater than the rest? I was just hoping you could maybe elaborate more on just some of the, that key burden to tackle from your perspective. Um, I'm actually, I think this is maybe a better thing to look at some of the life experiences that the, that OMB and the White House have talked about of um, some of their, was it 17? You had the number, Jonathan. It was 17. 17, great. Um, 17 different life experiences um, where, the, where a number of researchers and policy folks and program folks have looked at what, what is the burden um, and difficulty of going through some really critical times of life. So uh, different kinds of financial crises um, or, uh, or different kinds of emergencies and disasters and, and how do those, what are the different kinds of agencies you, you need to touch during that time? And, and I think there's gonna be some more research coming out about that. Um, so I'm not gonna give the full answer now, but yes, uh, there are a bunch. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be all the time we have. I'd really like to thank all of our panelists, uh, Steve, Jonathan, Jesse. Really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with everyone. And thank you for being here.